It's so, uh, thank you, Pastor Allen. It's so good to be here. Thank you, worship team, choir. That was powerful, wasn't it? Ah, man, you guys are blessed. Uh, it is so great to have the privilege to preach today. I'm so thankful to Pastor Allen. He's one of my good friends, and you have a godly and gifted pastor leader. You are so blessed to have him as your pastor. God is doing such an incredible work in and through you, through this community of faith. When you think about being human, you think about change. To be human is to experience change, to consistently be moved from one thing to another. From middle school to high school, from young to old, from short to tall, or in my case, from short to shorter. <laughs> the human experience is a transitional experience. But this is also true of the Christian life. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. The Christian story is a transformational story, a story of change. If you know Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have faith in Jesus, you trust Jesus, then the old is gone and the new has come. There's such dramatic language in the scriptures. You go from death to life. At one time, we were enemies of God, and now we're friends of God. Jesus said, we are born again. But this is the rub. Though we're born again, though we're new creatures, we still exist in this broken body. And sin, the curse has messed up our bodies, has infected our very DNA. And it's not just our bodies. Though we're new, we live in a world that's often anti-Jesus. And we live in a time in which the spiritual forces of darkness want to kill and destroy followers of Jesus. So we're new. But we're spending our life in this transitional journey of becoming more like Jesus. In theological circles, we call this the sanctification journey. More specifically today, I want us to unpack together how we can move from being people of anxiety to people of godly peace. Full disclosure, I got issues. I'm a hot mess at times. Don't talk to Pastor Allen about me. And I struggle deeply with anxiety. Anxiety and some OCD is one of my core challenges. And some of us also struggle with anxiety, or maybe you struggle with anxiety and depression. 
Or, or you don't really struggle that much with anxiety, but you worry a lot. What are you worrying about today? We can move from anxiety to peace. Anxiety is ravishing our lives. It causes chest pains, high blood pressure, increases the risk of heart disease. It's linked to irritable bowel syndrome, weakens the immune system, and prolonged exposure depletes oxygen to the brain. It increases asthma, asthma-like symptoms. It's linked to insomnia, obesity, and diabetes. Anxiety is literally killing us. And we hear so much about anxiety, but what are we talking about? Here's one definition. Anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. People with anxiety disorders usually have recurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. They may avoid certain situations out of worry. Some of us, regardless of how long we've followed Jesus, how mature we are in Christ, still struggle at some level with anxiety. So we need to dispel this lie that says, if you really love Jesus, if you're really mature, then you no longer will struggle. But struggle is not just the human experience. Struggle is the Christian experience. The Apostle Paul the great leader and church planner, writer of a huge chunk of the New Testament, struggled, he called it his thorns. To be Christian is to struggle. Think about the great prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. He struggled with burnout, fear, loneliness, depression, and suicidal ideation. He wanted God to kill him. Peter, the leader of the early disciples, struggled with unhealthy comparison, insecurity, and Peter was prejudiced. Abraham and Sarah, the beginning of God's chosen people, struggled with deception, lying, and jealousy. One of the reasons why I believe the Bible is true is because it shows us the deep struggles of the greats in the story. Think about David the greatest king in Israel's history, a man after God's own heart. I mean, David had some issues. This guy was messed up. He struggled with sexual sin, depression, pride, laziness, lying, and abuse of power. Moses, who led the people of Israel from 400 plus years of bondage and slavery, struggled with anger and workaholism. And it's not just the biblical characters who struggle. Throughout church history, some of the greats had deep struggles. Martin Luther, John Calvin, Spurgeon, C.S. Lewis, Henry Nouwen, Thomas Akempis, Mother Teresa, and the list goes on. They struggled with addiction, depression, anxiety, loneliness, and sexual temptation. To be a Christ follower means you are going to struggle. And I struggle. And specifically, I struggle with anxiety. But this is what I'm discovering. Holiness is found in the struggle. Holiness, becoming more like Jesus, embracing the fullness of the wonder and the joy of knowing Christ. Experiencing what God wants to do through every single one of us is found in the struggle. Holiness is found in the struggle. And we need to reframe our struggles to find and experience godly peace. I like to read. I also like movies. But in the book Holy Noticing, 
I came across a paragraph that perfectly defined my struggle. This is from Charles Stone. I've served Jesus vocationally as a pastor for almost four decades. I've read, studied, and memorized the Bible. I've practiced spiritual disciplines, yet something was amiss. My neatly packed theology, love God, do the right spiritual things, and peace will result, it wasn't working. It was like Morpheus in the Matrix when he said, you don't know what it is, but it's there like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. When I tried to force my mind to not think about these issues, my mind became like a megaphone amplifying those thoughts and emotions. That is so much my experience. See, I live in a world of what ifs. Are some of you with me? Like you're always well, what if with your kids, or what if with your job, or what if with politics or government? What if with, and you fill in the blank. And because I tend to live in a world of what ifs, I struggle with anxiety. Am I the only one here? All right, I got six people that struggle with me. Everybody else go home. So. Or as my wife's grandmother used to say, don't borrow trouble. Like I borrow trouble. You know? Things that will happen in the future and I bring it to today. And Jesus promises that God will provide our daily provision, our daily bread. Nothing about the bread 35 days from now. And so I tend to borrow trouble and live in a world of what ifs. But I'm discovering how I can move from being a person of anxiety to peace. Anxiety disorder in the United States is the number one mental health problem amongst women. And the second only to alcohol and drugs abuse among men. The U.S. is the most anxious nation in the world. One study reported that the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 50s. Why? Why are we struggling so much with anxiety? And for some of us, anxiety and depression. Well, we could spend a couple hours talking about this, but I know there's another service after this. Here's a few reasons. The pace of our lives, technology, expectations, screen time, diet, lack of sleep, biochemical imbalances, genes, spiritual attack, buried past wounds, bad theology, disintegration of the family, the corrupt Western economic engine, rampant individualism, and a loss of stable community, just to mention a few reasons why we struggle with anxiety. Others would suggest, well, this is just a new struggle, but it's not a new struggle. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon, who died in 1892, struggled deeply with anxiety and depression. This is what he wrote. I've, gone, I've undergone fearful depression of spirits. I know the borders of despair and the horrible brink of that gulf of darkness into which my feet have almost gone. But the struggle with anxiety and depression, it goes even further back. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. Then Jesus said to his disciples, his followers, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Another way to translate do not worry is do not be anxious. Now why would Jesus be saying that to his early followers? Because they were anxious. They worried. 
they had struggles. Some 2,000 years ago, anxiety was ravishing people. The Apostle Paul wrote the core passage in the New Testament book of Philippians chapter 4 on moving from anxiety to peace. I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles, open up your Bible apps to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to get there in a minute and we're going to spend our time in that text. But I want to mention two things as you're finding Philippians 4. The first is that this is not everything that can be said about anxiety and moving from anxiety and worry to peace. The second is a conversation I had with a friend many years ago. He asked me about my theology, what I believe. And he said, do you believe in sin? And I'm like, well, of course I believe in sin. Do you believe that everything is broken? Do you believe in the curse? Do you believe that nothing is as God originally intended it to be, the fall? Or what's often called total depravity. And I said, yeah, of course I believe that. He goes, well, do you believe in that your body, your physical body, and your mind is not as God intended it to be because of sin? And I'm like, yes. He said, now, would you take certain medications uh, for high blood pressure if needed? I'm like, yes. Or, or for diabetes? I'm like, yes. He's like, so if you believe in sin, if you believe that sin has messed up our bodies, then you also believe then it's messed up our brain chemistry. And I'm like, yes. So for some of us, we need, guided by wise medical professionals, some medication to help us on this journey of moving from anxiety to peace. Because sin has messed everything up. Let's get to the text. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, when you're reading the Bible and you see brothers or brothers and sisters, it's talking about the ready, convinced Christ followers, the community of faith, the church. Finally, church, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Christ is the antithesis of anxiety. To be in Christ is to be at an experience movement from anxiety to peace. See, in ancient culture, there was a lot of anxiety over what God you need to sacrifice to. There was multiple gods, and if you didn't sacrifice to the right God, maybe a foreign army would come and wipe you out. Or if you didn't sacrifice to the right God, you wouldn't have a good crop that year. And what Paul's reminding them is that you worship the one true God. And you don't have to concern yourself with these false gods. Because the God that we worship is a God of truth and a God of love and a God of patience and a God of generosity and a holy God. 
And so we do not have to be anxious as followers of the God who has created all things and who sustains all things. So Paul begins, he says, well, give thanks, rejoice. This is the path forward of moving from anxiety to peace. He's echoing Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Now that was written 2,500 years ago. And you can trace a theme of thankfulness and gratitude from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And now what we're discovering is that people who are thankful, people who live in gratitude are healthier. These people sleep better. They exercise more. They feel more optimistic. They're more alert. They're more active all around. They have the capacity to accomplish more personal goals, all connected to being thankful and a person of gratitude. Study goes on to show that families who raise children in an environment of gratitude and thankfulness create a healthier foundation for their children to holistically mature. The power of being thankful and gracious. So Paul begins, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, rejoice. Now, when you're reading the Bible and something's repeated, you pay attention, you lean forward. When it's repeated next to each other like this, you definitely don't want to go to your nothing box. This is of crucial importance. If we're going to be people who embrace the peace of God, we have to rejoice. We need to be thankful. He moves on. He says, be gentle. Now this is the moment when I'm studying the text and I get really excited in my office and then I share it with everybody and they're like, not that exciting. So I think this is gonna be exciting for about five people here today. The New Testament is written in the street language Greek of the day and then translated into English. Sometimes there's a word that we can't quite translate or we translate it, but we're like, ah, that, that's a good translation, but not the only way to do it. There's some words that are just hard to bring from the street language Greek into the English. This is one of those words. And so it can mean gentleness. And that's a good English translation of the word. But it can also mean yielding, kind, forbearing, lenient. So the first time I was studying this word, I'm like, I don't get it. Like, it doesn't seem to follow what Paul is saying. Did Paul have a brain freeze and he just kind of went on to an exit and, and it's like, well, come back, Paul. But then it hit me. Of course, this is connected to moving from anxiety to peace. Because some of the reasons why I'm so anxious and struggle is because of words that have been spoken to me and words that have spoken to others. Environments that were not gentle. Environments that were sarcastic and cutting. Environments that didn't have mutual Submission. And so gentleness creates 
an atmosphere in which we can begin to experience godly peace. And he goes on. He talks about recognizing the presence of the Lord. Now there's two aspects to what Paul is saying here. The first is to recognize that Jesus is with us. Do we believe that? Do we believe that Jesus is in this place? Do we also believe that Jesus is in the hub and Jesus is in the car and Jesus is in the walk home and Jesus is present in your bedroom and in your basement and in the boardroom and at the ball game? That Jesus is always present. Do we really believe in the presence of Jesus? And so this is what I have begun to do when I'm trapped in my anxiety. And it might seem a little bit weird to a few of you, but just stay with me. I'll set up a chair or I'll sit on a couch, have a stool or a bench next to me. And I'm just all anxious. I'm OCD. I'm in my head. I'm worrying about the medical bills and the church and my kids and my wife and what's going on in the world, whatever it is. And then I remember Jesus is with me. And not only is Jesus with me, I I imagine that Jesus is right here sitting on this stool. Now, I can't see him and I can't touch him, but I actually believe that Jesus is right here. Do you? And when I begin to focus in on the reality of Christ with me, I experience moments of peace. I begin to move from a person of anxiety to peace. When I truly believe that Jesus is present, a Jesus who will never leave you, never abandon you, never forsake you, a Jesus who is always present. Well, the second part of what Paul is saying is not only is Jesus present right now, but Jesus will return someday. We call this the eminent return of Christ. It means that Jesus can return at any moment, any time, tomorrow, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, but he will return. And when Jesus returns, he will usher in a new age, a new heaven, and a new earth in which we're gonna get new bodies. Come on, look around. That's some good news. We're gonna get new bodies. That's right. See, it was a physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. He was the first so that someday we can be resurrected in Christ with a new physical body and we will live in a new physical place in which everything will be as God originally intended it to be before sin and the curse and wickedness messed everything up. See, heaven, it's not fat, naked babies floating on clouds playing harps. Not interested. It's not in the Bible. No, it's everything that is right and beautiful about his creation forever. And someday when Christ returns, I will struggle with anxiety no more. And there'll be no more worry for you and no more depression and no more struggle. And so I think much about both the presence of Jesus and the eminent return of Jesus. Do you look forward to that day? Then he goes on and he talks about praying. All the time. I like to translate it, pray like crazy. 
pray like crazy? Prayer, let's demystify it for a moment. Prayer, it's listening to God, it's connection with God, it's communication with God. We have the audacity to believe that when we pray, the God of the universe doesn't just hear us, but responds. That when we pray, God moves in ways that he would not have moved unless his people prayed. Do you believe that? The power of prayer. And if we are going to move from anxiety and our struggles and worry to peace, we need to be crazy about prayer. See, but this is where it gets interesting. The way you pray, if you struggle like me with anxiety and worry, maybe some OCD, is different than how you pray about other things. See, I would begin, I would start praying. I'd be like, all right, I'm so worried about this surgery that I'm going into. I'm so worried about being able to pay this bill. And so I'm praying, God, and I'm praying over and over again. And then the more I pray about that, the more anxious I become. Have you ever experienced that? And you're like, well, I, this prayer thing doesn't work because I, I thought we'd just pray over and over again, again and God's going to take this away. But then I'm just obsessing over it more. That's not how you pray when you struggle with anxiety. I, I discovered that there's, there's a God box. Not, not a real box, but a God box. And whatever I'm worrying about, whatever I'm anxious about, I put in that, that God box. I'm like, all right, I'm worried about that surgery. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my rent payment. I'm worried about the government. I'm worried about war, like whatever it is. So I'm worried. And I put it in there. And then I pray about it. I do pray about it. And I'll pray for a few minutes. And I'll pray all different ways. And I'm, like, and I'm praying for a while. And then I'm like, all right. And then, and then I stop praying about it. I'm like, all right, God, that's yours. I've prayed about it. And then I turn and I focus in on Jesus. And I start praying about everything else that's not related to what I'm anxious over. And I give thanks and I rejoice and I pray for other people and I pray for my friends and I pray for Pastor Allen and I pray for ACAC and I, I just pray for whatever's going on and all the I pray for everything else and pray for leaders and, and, and struggles that other people are facing. I pray for everything else at that moment that's not what I put in the box. So I did pray, but I put it in the, go- the box. I gave it to God and then I'm like, all right, I'm praying. And that's how you pray when you struggle with worry and anxiety. So I, I talked about this a while back and Got a text a little later in the week. And on the text of this image of this box on fire. And I'm like, what is going on? And this, this small group said, oh, we, we took what you said literally. They're like We wrote down all of our worries, all of our concerns, all of our anxiety. We put it in this big box. We put a bunch of lighter fluid on. I'm not recommending this, but it was pretty cool. We put a bunch of lighter fluid on this and we lit it up and we're like, eh, that's yours, God. We give that to you. And then we prayed about everything else. So, ah, that was a good day as a pastor. So pray like crazy. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding will permeate our lives. See, this is so cool. God lives in you and God lives in me. Now you're not God and I'm not God, but we're the containers of God. We're the temple of God, a temple of flesh and blood. The Holy Spirit indwells us and there's moments when I am so trapped in my anxiety I'm just like, Holy Spirit, I, I just need, I need you to do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that's in us. 
And the Holy Spirit moves, and I take a step toward peace, the mystery of God's peace. Paul goes on. He talks about focusing in on what is true, and he has this long list of things. See, what we read the most, what we watch the most, what we listen to the most shapes us. It becomes the narrative, the the story in our brains and the the hard drive of our life. And we need to rewrite the narrative because some of us are living a lie because we've been told a lie. I love what Steve Cuss says. The story you tell yourself is a subconscious, ever-present filter between the outside world and your brain, making meaning of everything. The great challenge of it is that until you examine it, you don't even know it is there. And so I have these lies that rumble around in my head. These wounds that I carry, that you carry. Because we've all been wounded, but we've also all wounded others. And they're causing anxiety in my head. Again, just like prayer, I I can't just, well, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. I start thinking about that. That's how it works. True? No, I need to have truth enter my mind. And the primary way in which we rewrite the lies, we scrub the hard drive, and we get truth is to obsess over the scriptures. Obsess over the Bible. So I find Bible passages and Bible verses that connect to my struggles. I memorize them. I meditate on them. I obsess over them. I write it down. I stick it in my pocket. I put it on my phone and take screenshots. I print it out and tape it on the mirror in my bathroom. I'm driving in the car. I'm listening to those Bible verses. You know what you can do? It's so cool. AI. With AI, you can have any voice read the Bible for you now. <laughs> that's, cool, that's cool stuff. You know, I'm just listening to the scripture over and over, and I'm flooding my mind with truth to rewrite the lies. And so are you obsessing over the scriptures? God wrote a book through human authors. God inspired the Bible. The other aspect of this is I find people who are a step ahead of me in the journey. People that love Jesus who can speak truth into my life. One of the things I've started to do is every month I see a godly, mature, very wise, very intelligent Christian counselor. And I'm so thankful for Dr. Green. Once a month, he speaks truth into my life. He helps to reframe my anxiety my OCD. I think of Dr. Green now in my monthly meetings as a mental and soul oil change. We need people in our lives who can speak truth. But you know what I found as a pastor? I'm talking to people like, Pastor, I'm doing all that. I'm memorizing scripture. I'm listening to worship music. I'm listening to sermons. I'm praying like I'm trying the whole God box thing. God, I'm praying about that. And then I turn and praying about everything else. I'm doing that. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, give me the peace that passes all understanding. I'm trying to be thankful and rejoice. Like I'm doing it all and it's, it's not working. 
It's not working. I'm still trapped. I'm still stuck in my anxiety. I feel as though I haven't moved whatsoever toward peace. And then I listen to them more and start asking them questions. And what I most often discover, and this is where Paul lands, is they're not doing what Jesus has commanded them to do. And if we're doing all the other things we've talked about, but we're not doing what Jesus tells us to do, then we will stay trapped in our anxiety. So Paul talks about this idea of following him, looking at him. We need human examples. We need Jesus in flesh. Follow him as he follows Christ. So I'm talking to these individuals. And I discover that they're not generous. They're not generous with their money toward God's work. They're not generous with their time. They're not willing to step into the difficult journey of forgiveness and reconciliation in a broken relationship. They're not willing to align their life with God's sexual ethic. They simply want peace without obedience. And we won't move from anxiety to peace until we actually do what Jesus commands us to do. And so then Paul says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I believe that on some level I will struggle with anxiety until I get that new body in that new heaven and that new earth. But I don't struggle with anxiety today like I used to. I'm experiencing more and more the peace of God. But the struggle's with me. And like Paul and his thorns, I'm beginning to be thankful for the struggle because it's in the struggle that I'm more submissive to Jesus. It's in the struggle that I'm finding holiness, becoming more like Christ. And so if you struggle with anxiety or you struggle with depression or whatever you struggle with, in Christ, we can experience peace and dependence and wholeness and holiness. We can move. We can take steps from anxiety to peace. So I want to say a prayer, but I want to, in this prayer, specifically pray for those who are struggling with anxiety who are trapped in anxious thoughts. Or, or maybe you're here and you're just, you got a big worry going on right now. I wanna pray specifically for you. Would you bow with me? Father God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are present. Thank you that you are truth. Thank you that you are generous. God, I, I specifically pray for those today that they, like me, struggle with anxiety or they struggle with obsessive thoughts. I pray that they would taste peace, your peace. Lord, I pray for those that they have a big worry in front of them. Maybe it is a surgery. Maybe it is a child. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe they're, they're just lonely and they're worried like, will I ever have a friend? Lord, I pray that they would know your peace. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Move in our lives and move in this place in the very powerful name of Jesus Christ. And if you agree, you say amen. 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 I think you would agree it's 
a very practical and relevant word for us. I'm so grateful for Jason's vulnerability and sharing his story with us today. Um, as we go, I'm, I'm going to invite, just stand to your feet this morning, if you would. If you're a part of our prayer team, um, if you're a pastor on staff, maybe even some of our elders, I'm just going to invite you to come towards the front. As we dismiss you today, if you'd like someone to pray with you one-on-one, um, you can share your story, but you certainly don't have to. You just say, man, Jason's message just really resonated with me, and God's working in my heart, and I'd like prayer today. When we dismiss, they're going to be down front, and uh, we would love to pray with you. We have one service left, and I know that while the Holy Spirit was speaking to your heart through Jason today, there was probably a person or two that came to mind. You're like, oh, I wish they were here to hear this because they need this. Um, I know we have another service starting in 15 minutes, but I would even challenge you to call or text them and say, can you get here? And even if it means you staying through and sitting through another message, it's okay even if you come in late, you miss the first part of worship, you got some time, do that. If you can't do that, the message will be on YouTube uh, tomorrow. Share it with them, text it to them, email it to them, say this is a word that really ministered to me, but um, I would encourage you to do that. So as we dismiss today, let me read the scripture over us. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and may he give you his peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You're dismissed. We're here for prayer if you'd like that.